Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you all. As Father Doug mentioned, my name is Father Patrick Hyde. I am a National Eucharistic preacher on behalf of the National Eucharistic Revival, but probably more interesting to most of you is I'm the pastor down at St. Paul Catholic Center in Bloomington on the campus of Indiana University. And uh, this is my eighth year serving there as uh, a priest. I've been there, I was three years as the associate pastor and director of campus ministry. This is my fifth year there as pastor. And I just, before I get started, I just want to share the good news of what's going on down at St. Paul's and on so many other college campuses. The faith is flourishing. So often we hear such negative things about what's going on with young people, but in my eight years at St. Paul's, our staff consisted initially of just me. There were other priests on the staff, but they were focused on the resident parish primarily. We've grown so much in our campus ministry that we basically just focus on student ministry now. We have five Dominican priests working full-time in campus ministry there. We've seen exponential growth. And it's going to tie into the gospel today, but not necessarily explicitly. But all that it did, it started with something simple. So often in our life, we think we have to do all these crazy things in order to share the faith. It started with us actually stopping almost everything that we did and focusing on six or eight people. So about 10 years ago, we focused on six eight students, and now every week we have over 300 that we're working with, and we have doubled the number of students at Mass on Sundays. Thanks be to God. I'm a Dominican friar also, in addition to all these things. That's why I'm wearing this glorious white habit. As part of Dominicans, two things that you need to maybe understand that will help you. The first is that we have the best habit in the order of the church, or in the church. Uh, it's the Cadillac of habits. Um, as one of our friars said, when it's really cold outside, we get to wear a black cape, although my black cape is not in any way built for the winter, so I wear a coat. <laughs> but the other thing is that we're itinerant. What does that mean? We travel around. Even though I've been in Bloomington for eight years as part of working with the National Eucharistic Revival and various other things, we go around because St. Dominic, when the order was founded in 1216, he's, the first thing he did, he sent the brothers out. He said, gathered grain rots. So he sent us out. And so still to this day, Dominican friars, we are called to go wherever the word needs to be preached, wherever the truth needs to be proclaimed, to go and to go with courage and conviction. So during our formation, during the summers, we go hither, thither, and yon. And one of the summers when I was in formation for the priesthood, I spent in Kenya, in Nairobi, Kenya. And one week we went to visit one of the missions and there were some sisters who were there. <coughs> and in religious life and in the priesthood, it's very common to share your vocation story to share how you knew that God was calling you to the priesthood of religious life. And one of the sisters there was telling her story, and it was similar to a lot of stories. In her high school years, she was trying to figure it out. She didn't really know where God was calling her. Her faith was kind of on again, off again. She went off to college. She really wanted to be a nurse, but then her, there were some family issues, and she had to move home. And she moved home, she got a job, she got a boyfriend. She wasn't really you know, living a crazy life, but there was no real direction in her life. And oh, and by the way, she moved home, and home was Las Vegas, Nevada, and the only job she could find was as a blackjack dealer. Sister was telling us this story of her days as a blackjack dealer in Las Vegas. It gets better. <laughs> so as sister is telling us this story, she's saying, you know, I'm trying to figure out my life. I'm thinking maybe I go back to school, get my nursing degree, like I wanted to, but she didn't really know what to do. <coughs> Excuse me. So she's dealing blackjack one night. She's working the late night shift. It's about 2 o'clock in the morning. And at this point in her career as a dealer, she's used to dealing with those who are a bit over-exuberant or having a terrible night 
or have had maybe too much to drink. And so she's used to the banter and maybe a little bit of the insults, and she's dealing blackjack, and this one guy looks across the table with a mean, ugly look. And he says, what are you doing here? She says, well, I'm, I'm dealing blackjack. And he said, no, you're supposed to be a nun. And it just shook her to her core. She'd heard horrible, terrible things, but she'd never heard that at the blackjack table. And so she went to her priest and she started, and he said, well, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning, you know, probably not the best time to be taking life advice from someone at a blackjack table. But think about it, pray about it. So she started going to Mass more. She started praying more. She started kind of living a more virtuous life. But life is life. So she didn't think about it much after that. Months go by. And sure enough, she's dealing blackjack late at night. And as she's dealing, this older fellow looks across the table. And out of nowhere, he says, when are you going to enter the convent? And so at that point, thank you. At that point, she realized that God was calling her. And so obviously she left, she entered the convent, and now she's a sister serving the Lord as a nurse. In the gospel today, we hear the story of the call of the first apostles in Mark's gospel. And it's important for us, just like sister's story, to recognize the context in which Jesus calls us. He calls us in the most ordinary circumstances of our life. So often, though, we think, I'll follow Jesus when I get my act together, when this thing works out for me at work, when I figure out my vocation. But Jesus is calling you right now. Such is his love for you that there might even be a young man or a young woman here that Jesus is calling to the priesthood or religious life right now. But he's also calling all of us, regardless of our context, He's going to call you when you're at a tough business meeting. He's going to call you at the dinner table. He's going to call you in every aspect of your life because Jesus came into this world out of sheer gratuitous love for you. And he wants you. His mission in life is you. And inviting you every step of the way in the most ordinary circumstances to follow him. But not just to follow him and, okay, I'll go to Mass a little bit more, or okay, I'll go back to confession, but with your whole heart. In the Gospel, we hear Jesus proclaiming the good news, the Evangelion, the Gospel. And what is that good news? Repent and believe. And we have a negative connotation with repent, and in one way that's fair enough. But in the Greek, the word here is metanoiete, which literally means to have your mind changed. So what is Jesus calling each and every one of us to? Yes, to turn from sin, but to totally renew our life and our world view. When we follow Jesus, everything is beautiful and wonderful, even the worst parts of the world. Think of it this way. When Jesus called those apostles on the Sea of Galilee, if they were to have asked him, Jesus, what will we get out of this? Will we be famous? No. Well, yes, but a hundred or so years after your death. Oh, and by the way, you're going to die horrible, horrible deaths. Would they have followed him if not for a conversion of heart, mind, and life? No. But he calls each and every one of us. He doesn't say what's in front of us is going to be easy but he says it's going to be meaningful and purposeful. 
You will never be alone. You will never know the, the terrors of this world in terms of the impact in your life if you follow me. He's inviting us to that. And he's inviting each and every one of us to that right now. Have you been looking for a sign in your life to follow Jesus more closely? Hello, nice to meet you. I'm your sign. This is what Jesus does. He sends his people. He sends into the middle of the night on a blackjack table. He sends his grace. He sends it to you. But you must make the decision. St. Paul says the world is passing away. I don't know if tomorrow is guaranteed. And in fact, it isn't. But I can give my life to Jesus today and trust that he will provide for tomorrow by his grace and by his love. And so we must make that choice to follow Jesus with all of our hearts. And this week, tonight, tomorrow, and Tuesday, I'm here to share with you in the parish mission, what does that look like? And three things that I want to talk with you about, and they, they, they don't, you know, if you miss the first night, you can come to the second night. If you only come to one, it's not like there's going to be a test at the end, and if you miss the first two, you'll fail the third night. <laughs> it's about growing in love with Jesus. And we need three things to follow Jesus. We need intimacy with him. You'll notice in the gospel, the first, and we heard it last Sunday too, what does Jesus call people to? Does he say, come and do all of these miracles and do them all right now? He says, you'll be fishers of men. You will be, future. Just come and follow me. What does Jesus want? He wants your heart. He wants you. And he doesn't want the glamorized, you know, best version of you. He wants the ugliest part of you. Because we need a redeemer because of our brokenness, not because of our greatness. And so divine intimacy means, Jesus, here's my heart. Here's my everything. And there are a lot of things in there that I don't love. There are a lot of things in there that bring about pain. There are a lot of slavery things in there. there are, there's a lot of baggage in there. And Jesus says, I love you and I want more of you. We need to have that kind of intimacy with the Lord where our hearts and his heart are one. The second thing we need in our life is for it to be Eucharistic. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in a few moments, the greatest thing in the history of humanity will happen on this altar. Simple bread and simple wine will become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God. There is no greater event in human history than the celebration of the Sunday Eucharist in community. It's the source and the summit of our life. But how do we live that life? What does that mean for us to be Eucharistic? What is the Eucharist? How is Jesus feeding us? And the last thing is my favorite part because I work with college students, is the practical. What does it look like every day to follow Jesus in your state, in your life? In his great book, The Introduction to the Devout Life, St. Francis de Sales calls all people to holiness. But he says the holiness of the monk and the holiness of the housewife are very different in what they look like, but the substance is the same. But if the monk tries to be the housewife or the housewife tries to be the monk, they will fail. We are called to intimacy with Jesus. We are called to Eucharistic lives, but in the state in which we live, in the realities in which we face. Now is the time. Now is the opportunity for each and every one of you, like Peter and like his brother Andrew, like James and John, to put aside for a couple of days that which ties you to the world, that which you are bound to each and every day, and to follow Jesus, to go after him and to search.
for meaning and purpose, not necessarily knowing exactly what is there. That's the beauty of it all. We don't know what's there. We just know who's there, and he's enough. And so Jesus says to each and every one of us today, come and follow me.